Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. I'm Philippa B and I'm joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hi. And Connor Ketley. Hi, Connor. Hi, Phil. And so we are looking back today over the quarterfinal uh, over Uruguay and forward to a semi-final against Belgium. So starting with the review section of uh, of the pod, France 2, Uruguay 0, Goals from Rafael Varane and uh, Griezmann. Um, Jez, what was your overall impression of, of this of this match? Was it uh, a convincing victory, or was the scoreline maybe a little bit strange? Uh, no, I'd say I'd say convincing. Or um, I mean, let's face it. Although it was a slightly lucky goal, um, once France had their second. That was, I mean, they, they may as well have sort of blown up for full time then. France just sort of controlled it, didn't look to, to add to the score or anything like that, just closed up shop. And, and in that sense, I, I felt that I was actually in many ways more impressed with, with this performance than, than I was the, the Argentina performance. I thought this was a real sort of, not a cu- not a coming of age match, but a, a match where they looked like they had come of age. Mm. They, you know, really unruffled. Um, again, people have used it to criticise Deschamps for shackling the team, that kind of thing. But um, you know, it's it's all about. Hey, <laughs> it's another word I don't like. It's like project, but so there is a bit of a narrative thing going on, and you know, because it's Deschamps, people are going to criticise him. But frankly. Why at two nil up uh, after an hour or whatever it was? Why should France expend any more energy? I think they were quite right to kind of close up shop, control the match, and you know basically say to Uruguay, if you've got anything left, sort of come at, come at us with it. Mm. Um, I thought they, you know, they they stood up well to to Uruguay's sort of attempts at bully boy tactics, in which they were helped again by by the referee, but I thought, I thought being very lenient. Um, even, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of all the play acting, but, you know, even a little bit of that from France showed some, you know, as, as Southgate said about England and Maguire and Henderson's dives the other day, maybe we're, we're learning to do things that other countries have been doing for a while now. I thought the same about France. I thought they showed a bit, a bit of nous in doing those things, you know, Mbappe. I actually really liked the flick that he did, but he did overdo it when he was touched and went down, which caused a bit of a bit of a ruckus. But generally, I thought they stood up to Uruguay. They played them at their own game, and and they won convincingly, both in terms of the football and the sort of extracurricular activities. Hmm. So, Connor, when we talk about them kind of shutting up shop, I mean, when we look at the I'll do my geek thing again. The XG for this match, um, both Mike Cayley and Elf Teganov had Uruguay ahead um, on the actual expected goals. France really took their chances um, efficiently, but also defended efficiently. I think they had two goals from two shots on um, two shots from two goals on uh, two goals from two shots on target. Sorry about that. Um, and four goals and four shots on target against Argentina. So the attack is being efficient. What we need is the defense to be efficient. Are we, are we confident and comfortable about the defense and what they're going to be able to do against Lukaku Hazard, De Bruyne et al. <laughs> what do we see in this match? We know Uruguay's defense had been brilliant up until this point. 
the French defence did a really good job against some significant pressure that was put on them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, um, obviously, you know, as a lot of people have pointed out, Argentina display was the, you know, showed what France can do attacking-wise, and then Uruguay was uh, the opposite, really, showed what, what the rear guard can do. Um, I say I personally, <laughs> I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I was quite paranoid about France for uh, the Uruguay match, actually thinking it could be a bit of a banana skin. Um, obviously, Cavani being out was a, a big deal, but they still had you know, the, that defensive experience and uh, the fact that they managed to exploit them in a set piece for the first goal as well is, uh, I suppose, particularly uh, promising, you know, given Uruguay were, uh, up until that point, the best defensive team in the tournament. Um, and yeah, looking at France, of course, apart from that, that, you know, the few slips against Argentina, they too had only conceded uh, one goal in those first four games. So, um, you know, to have kept sort of, I think it's three clean sheets, I might be wrong there, but three clean sheets in the game so far is certainly, you know, something to uh, be impressed with, especially as um, I myself had a few concerns about Larice's form, uh, you know, going into mm. the um, going into the tournament. He had a few errors, but he's kind of proved everyone wrong, especially with that um, that magnificent saving against, uh, against Caceres um, uh, in the Uruguay game. Um, mm. I think that might have even skewed the XG, Diego Godin, uh, yeah. Henry, his defensive clearance uh, yeah. helping France so, out there. Um, I think um, you, when we look at Loris, obviously he gets some flack, and I don't know whether some of that is kind of club club tribalism, um, but, you know, against Australia, he made a couple of good saves against Peru as well. He's made some crucial interventions. He's not been, in a sense, that busy, but when he's been called into action he's 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 done a good job also managed to eat a dragonfly or something <laughs> horrible think... which was just in in gifts but i think he he seems to be um kind of a calm and measured presence which maybe he isn't always as a, I as think a club that, player um, i i'm not sure about flack but i think he'd earned the sort of doubts about him coming into the tournament mm. because he hadn't had the greatest batch of games for France recently and um, by all accounts for Spurs as well there have been a, a couple of recent dodgy appearances or dodgy mistakes um, but um, you know I think I think he's very much proved that he's, he still clearly <laughs> deserves to be France's number one mm. and I just I think the defence in general I mean talk about XG I'm you know I'm not entirely convinced by all these stats that, that one is one I generally don't mind but to me, it's it's ridiculous that Uruguay have got a higher XG. I mean, that one save aside, I can't think of any half decent hmm. chance that Uruguay had. Well, that's and, the um, thing. It's it was, still, I, you know, it's an argument was... whether it's there. It's down to them not particularly playing well or the defence playing well. But I I thought the defence generally played in a in a sort of very unruffled way. I thought hmm. Varane was absolutely imperious, not only the goal but in defence as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I, I, think, I, I think I think the key there is that Uruguay's XG is still under one on both of the ones I looked at, which means that Loris's save was crucial in basically stopping the biggest chance they made. Um, whereas France overperformed in a sense. I, you know, the the Griezmann goal where that was a misleva fuck up, and you feel really, really bad for the guy. I, I don't know if you've seen the the video of the Uruguay team kind of getting into <laughs> Buenos Aires Airport at 3 a.m. and the crowd are singing his name as if to say it's okay, which was you know a really lovely moment. 
But France have been, as you say, they've been efficient in attack. And that's a really, really good thing to be. You need the both, both things to, to happen. Um, on more than kind of the formation squad choice front, obviously Matuidi was unavailable. So Coco Toulouse came in for him. And um, I watched a wonderful video earlier from Tifo Football, who've been doing great work throughout the World Cup. And they also confirmed the word I was desperately looking for in the last pod when I described the French formation as wonky. Uh, the word is asymmetrical. Uh, it turns out my ability to speak English had left me briefly. I think we still ended up with Toulouse was more of a midfielder than a winger. So we still got a situation where France is kind of playing with no left wing, um, where you've got uh, sort of Kante as the deeper midfielder and then Toulouse and Pogba with Lucas and Pavard outside them pretty much level as a front, as a, as a mid four. Um, it, when you look at the, the kind of the, the positions is the absence of, in a sense, a pure left winger going to cause problems against Belgium, um, given the way they play, given the, the attacking outlet, always sticking to this kind of wonky formation where you've got a front man and then somebody on the right coming in and, and getting them. Um, is that some, it's working. Um, is that how you think we're going to, to go into the Belgian match, Connor? I'd be surprised to see, you know, a change from the formation, to be honest. It's clearly been doing the job. Um, and obviously Belgium, I think it's, uh, well, I, mean, I guess they can kind of chop and change really their front line. Obviously, Lukaku played a bit wider, didn't he, against um, mm. uh, against Brazil in the week to, to great effect. So it wouldn't be surprising to see, uh, you know, say um, the Roberto Martinez pick a wing and then kind of stick Lukaku on and say, you know, off you go, try and bully uh, Pavard for a bit or... Um, so I guess it really could be, you know, down more to Belgium's tactics rather than France's. I, I would be surprised if they kind of uh, moved away from what's been working so well for them. Um, mm. Obviously, everyone raising eyebrows at Matuidi's, uh, you know, left mid uh, role, which obviously now we're, we're kind of seeing in action. He's actually sitting a bit deeper, as you say, more in the midfield. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised if we saw any change, to be honest. Mm. I think what we're going to look at as well is that, um, you know, with Pavard getting forward and Mbappe being on the right mostly, that they're going to be presumably targeting Yannick Carrasco, who kind of isn't a fullback by trade. He's playing as a wing back next to a, a, a kind of a back three at the moment. But in terms of um, kind of this match seems to me to be, it's all going to be about which team can get to the weaknesses of the other team most if you see what I mean. And obviously with Lukaku bearing down on a defence where Umtiti Lucas, there might be, you know, room for him to play there. Um, if uh, Mbappe and Pavar can have a real go at Carrasco, that might again cause some problems. We could have a situation where a lot of things are kind of happening up and I'm down the sure. wings rather than yeah. midfield. I don't. I wouldn't expect Carrasco to play. I think um, Martinez will go. Will play with the back four, mm. and I think um, I can never pronounce his name, but Alderweireld Wild or whatever he's called, <laughs> his first player will be. Um, I think he'll be in instead of Munier. Um I don't really see it as a as a weakness. Of, the only sort of weakness I see is that it would be a pity without having an out and out left winger. Mm. Um, we won't necessarily be having one pro- properly attacking the. Um, mm. The, whoever's playing at, at right back for Belgium 
but I think um, Hernandez has proved that um, you know as long as he controls it, he can he can be a danger pushing forward. And mm. whether it's Matuidi or Tolisso, I think they're both capable of of uh, bringing support to the to the attack as well. Mm. But with uh, maybe with um, Lucas needs to be careful though not to push forward too much, given who is going to be running towards him. Uh, for well, yeah, but I think he's. I think in the last two matches, he's uh, particularly against Argentina. He's shown that mm-hmm. he ca- he can control it. And the couple of times that, well, Griezmann felt that he's overstepped the mark a bit. He's told him to go back, and he has done so. I think he's sort of mature and defensively minded enough to to take care of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, just on Belgium, I didn't actually see the first bit of the the game. Uh, on Friday, I kind of got back after going out for dinner, turned the TV on, wondering what was going on. and was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, again, there, the XG suggests that Brazil should have done better, um, that Belgium really, pounce, again, pounced on the opportunities they had and held out really well defensively. So it's kind of like a mirror image of what, what France was doing. Did you see um, Brazil uh, won Belgium two, Connor? Is there anything that we could kind of learn from that, which might be relevant for, for the, the semi-final? Yeah, I mean, it really was a, a game of two halves uh, to, to go for the old cliche. Um, you know, first half, Belgium just kind of got ahead and then held it really down second half. Um, I mean, you look at the defence, so uh, they actually lined up, uh, as Jez mentioned before, at the back, having Vertonghen at left back, uh, given his versatility there, and then uh, company and Aldevira in the middle, so no Carrasco, which... Obviously, you don't want to have uh, maybe coming up against a Brazil attack, and I expect they'll do the same against France. Um, but yeah, I think it was honestly a fair result in the end. Uh, maybe in the last 10 minutes, Brazil, they definitely should have scored. Uh, Neymar was, you know, pulling his theatrics again. Um, could have maybe got a penalty on another day, but for most people, it wasn't, and not for me either. But um, they had their chances, Brazil, but just didn't take them. And um, Lukaku and Hazard, um, probably the standout men, even though De Bruyne scored an absolutely fantastic goal. Um, yeah, Lukaku and Hazard ran the show that game. So, in terms of um, kind of who the best France's best players were against Uruguay, um, we've mentioned um, Hugo um, and his uh, his intervention. Who would you say were the best players for France, Jez, in the last match? And can you see them doing the same job against Belgium? Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think Varane deserves a special mention. I thought he was excellent. I think he's gone up a level um, this World Cup. He's kind of rarely talked about, which is probably a a good thing. He's just such a France mainstay and stalwart. Mm. And um, he's the one player that people rarely suggest should be dropped or um, questioning his form or anything like that, which I think speaks very highly of him. But mm. even then, I still think he's gone up a level or two. And it was, I think, particularly fitting that he scored the goal because it was four years ago yeah. that it was he was sort of muscled out of the way by Hummels for the goal, but knocked us out in the quarterfinal stage in um, in Brazil. So the fact that he kind of not quite bullied, but he got up there to to score the 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 header to open the scoring, um, I thought was you know, hopefully a, a sign of the fact that this, this France team is, is sort of now ready. Um, Conte 
was as usual sort of laughably brilliant just everywhere <laughs> um a couple of misplaced passes which was slightly annoying but just i mean you look at the stats he's at or near the top of the stats for sort of every um parameter that you'd expect of of not even just defensive midfielders but defenders um and just again has been on another level this world cup um i mean i generally the only person I would have said didn't have a great match was Griezmann, who scored mm-hmm. one and set up one. So um, I, we'll I take really, that, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, apart from that, I, I thought he was relatively poor. Again, that, it looked like he was just trying too hard and nothing's clicking. So again, we'll hope that mm-hmm. it does the next couple of matches. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I really thought everyone was good. I thought Giroud was doing his usual sort of thankless task, which people people just look at look at the scoreline and say oh Giroud didn't score he's obviously a rubbish center forwards but again the pressing the mm-hmm. aerial prowess the creating space for the others the, the helping out the defenders the helping out in defensive set pieces as well I thought he was great Taliso I think filled in brilliantly for Matuidi just worked so hard for the team and was kind of I mean Gary Neville kept saying that he looked a bit lost and didn't know where his position was I would say he was a you know a bit like Kante in that he seemed to be popping up a little bit everywhere mm-hmm. to help the team out he also helped sort of calm the situation when Pogba very nearly and stupidly got himself a second booking mm-hmm. um not of the match but second booking that would have yeah. pulled him out of the semi so yeah really really impressed all round basically mm. I think uh yeah there was a kind of a lack of automatism overall early on but they did kind of seemed to click into it but as you said Griezmann didn't kind of click in like uh, some of the others did um one kind of more maybe uh, trivial question but I'm sure we all remember the 2010 uh, World Cup game Uruguay, against Uruguay which was a goalless draw where I think uh, Frank Leboeuf was on co-coms on TF1 and they ended up discussing gardening because they were so bored I think I think it started out as discussing the grass seed used for the pitch and then moved on to kind of lawn maintenance more generally because that was a terrible game. Did you actually enjoy, uh, the nerves and the tension aside, did you enjoy this game? Was it good football? Connor, what do you think? Um, (laughs) I think in the general context of the World Cup, I'm going to be the bad guy and say no. Uh, I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's high expectations to <laughs> live up to. But no, it was still a good game. I mean, the last half an hour was um, fairly dead. I think just as Jez mentioned, you know, the game was pretty much done uh, by that point. And there wasn't really, uh, especially without Cavani, you know, Uruguay did not look to threat at all. Um, but I thought first half, what, what I was impressed with was, you know, obviously we all knew that Uruguay were going there for to make, it, make life difficult. They were going to sit deep. Um, the way Mbappe... We all know what he can do when he's running on the counter-attack. But against the static defence, he was still beating men quite mm-hmm. easily, um, which you know, a lot of people may not have seen before. Um, obviously, you know, it, he's just a phenomenal counter-attacker because of that pace, but he's also just good at taking on static defenders as well who want to sit back and, and welcome him on. So you know, what do you really do against someone who's got both? Um, mm. And that definitely made the game a bit more exciting, I guess, uh, at nil-nil anyway. Um, Jez? I I mean I'm just not gonna go on another rant, but I mean <laughs> the first chances were always gonna be at a premium and you can say that or people can say that France are a negative team. Uruguay sort of that's their 
Um, you know, that's their mm. signature. And actually, I think they don't do themselves any favors. I think they're a much better team than, than they sort of give themselves credit for by having this reputation as such a defensive outfit. Um, they were obviously hamstrung by the fact that Cavani wasn't there. But, you know, Suarez, I don't, he didn't have a single shot or match, certainly not in the area anyway. So, mm. um, you know, I think France deserve credit for that. And yeah, I thought the first half was entertaining in the sense that it was a kind of relatively full-blooded affair again not huge number of chances but uh, with the with the sort of occasion and the fact that both teams were going for it it wasn't so bad but again after France scored their second why should they do anything else and I, I think I mentioned somewhere I can't remember where but it's what drives me crazy is that the the tiki-taka Spain of 2010 I'm not talking about 2008 or 2012, and I'm certainly not talking about Barcelona, but the 2010 Spain were insipid to watch. Their their game plan was basically at some point score a goal and then keep possession for uh, as much of the match as you can so that the other team can't even get a chance. And, you know, everyone raves about it, greatest team ever, tiki-taka, beautiful football, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, what's the difference? I don't, I genuinely don't see the difference between that. To me, that's worse than what France do. And so people have a go at Deschamps, they are oh, this boring build-up play. What do you want? You know, they keep saying, oh, this front, this front, the attack that France have got, they're so exciting, but they never do anything fun. So Mbappe does a flick and everyone has a go at him because that's not the right thing to do. And, oh, I didn't see him do that and nil-nil. Of course he's not going to do that and nil-nil. What a stupid thing to say. Um, So, you know, I really, really think people are overdoing it and they've sort of decided that this is a, a poor footballing team and... Um, you know, fitting everything else around that in order to, you know, as a stick to beat them with. I think they've shown against exactly. They've shown against Argentina they can play. They've shown against they've shown against Argentina that they can not have the ball yet play exciting football. They've shown against Mm -hmm. Uruguay they can have the possession, but also you know just get stuck in. People keep saying they don't have an identity. Spain have an identity. They got knocked out early. Brazil have an identity. They disappointed. Germany apparently, I'm not, I don't agree, but Germany apparently have an identity. Didn't get past the group stage. Holland, Italy didn't even get to the World Cup. France, surely it's to their credit that they're able to adapt their, you know, some people say we're France. We shouldn't be adapting to other teams. They should be adapting to us. Okay, that's maybe a fair point. But surely it says a lot about the team and, and the ethic that Deschamps has constructed that this team you, is you, 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 you have to react. You, you don't want to be reactive all the time, but there has to come a point where you go, right, this isn't working, lads. You know, we need to be smart about this. Exactly. Otherwise, you're just being stubborn, kind of British bulldog, flag-waving, whatever, and it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's, think, you know, again, I know you told me off last week for alluding to them. Let's be fair. Everyone here is raving about <laughs> England. Okay, there's the surprise factor, but they're hardly playing exciting I, football. I'm not sure if people are raving about them. We're just pleasantly surprised that they're not an absolute <laughs> bin fire. I think that's my, uh, uh, that's my kind of take on it. I mean, yeah. yes, people jumping up and down on ambulances in the centre of um, <laughs> city centres. It just, I mean, that's just the dickhead contingent. But if you're actually looking at how they're playing, it's not been fabulously exciting. It's just been kind of consistent and reliable. And that's something that I have not seen 
for a long, long time. Fair um, enough, I think, but I mean, you could argue yeah. that about France as well. You yeah. mentioned 2010. 10, no. Yeah, which that game preceded the, you know, the thing. And what's great about this time is the thing is not happening. It's brilliant. They seem to be, they're working as a team, they're covering each other, they're dealing with a, a wonky formation. And I don't think Deschamps is a brilliant coach, but I think he is a good coach. And hopefully that is sufficient. So it's uh, it's a case of how far can they go, which brings us to our next question. Harder side of the draw. Whoever wins from France v Belgium is favourite to, to win. So who do we think? How do we think it's going to pan out against Belgium? Connor, predictions... <laughs> Hats yeah. of positivity, whatever you want to, to throw in here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as, as I say, I've been a bit of a pessimist about France, to be honest, until... Yeah, uh, join the club. Seriously, yeah, we, I, we, I are, that, we are a support group right now. On the, yeah. <laughs> the, the one match I was actually relatively confident about was Argentina, uh, which they did mm. eventually pull through. Um, and then I was a bit negative about Uruguay, but they also did, they did actually a more convincing job there. Um, I, I do think they'll nick it by one goal against Belgium. I'm not sure if I'm going to curse them by saying that, but, <laughs> but um, I'm sorry I've said it. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think they should just about nick it. Um, I think Lukaku will have a tougher time against, uh, against this defence. I know uh, Brazil, they are a great team, but I think they, they did have a weakness there to exploit. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think France will nick this maybe 2-1, to be honest. Hmm. Jez, seem fair? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it all seems fair, but I'm still going to be pessimistic, yeah, part, partly course. because I'm pessimistic I'm <laughs> and partly because it's worked it's so worked far. It's worked so far, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I think this one is so close to cool, both partly because it, it is kind of like a derby, not just sort of geographically, but there's so many players in both teams who know each other well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just I think they're very, very closely matched. Um I think it's hard to say, but I think by virtue of the way they've been playing in this World Cup and their very long unbeaten run, um, I think France is a kind of newfound confidence and hopefully they can ride the wave of that. But I I feel like Belgium are a tiny bit more settled and that kind of concerns me. And I think the match could well be decided also by the odd goal, but I think it could either be a mistake somewhere or a flash of brilliance. Mm. And I just feel, I mean, certainly France have got a lot of players capable of that. But, but the so form that, Belgium. <laughs> exactly, the form that has our Lukaku and De Bruyne are in, I'm just, I worry that, you know, one of them at some point may, might be sort of lined up to do something special. Um, I'm certainly not saying France can't win it. Of course they can, but... Um, yeah, my pessimistic self says that Belgium are just going to nick it. Right. Oh, it's so tense. <laughs> Sounds like you've got the deciding vote, Phil. Oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm the chair. I'm not getting involved in this because <laughs> I'm also massively superstitious and pessimistic. No, I just, again, I think it's going to be, there's going to be one goal in it and I'm just hoping that it's... Um, that it's France that put together a piece of brilliance and that nobody has a kind of Muslera level rick to, to hand it to, to Belgium. Given that both teams have shown, in a sense, the same kind of approach in the quarterfinals, being very efficient at scoring and defending 
very well, something's got to break somewhere. Um, so it's going to be, in a sense, who can keep their cool, who can keep their nerve uh, is going to be the key thing here. And you can look at every player and make an argument one way or the other, as it were. I think it is so level, as Jess says. Um, I think the bookies have got France's favourites, but that, you know, I'm not going with that. I think this is going to be a really, really close um, and tense encounter. And we just hope that when we come back for the next pod, hopefully on Thursday or Friday, um, that we are talking about uh, a positive result and an appearance in the final. Um, so we will we will have to see how that goes. Um, any final thoughts from either of you two? Any anybody or anything to look out for in the in the semi-final i just two things i mentioned firstly just on that i thought it was quite interesting that um claude puel um has predicted that the team who has who sees the least of the ball will win it (laughs) (laughs) which again goes very much against the whole tiki taka thing and also the obvious very big um sort of I don't know, subplot is the right word that everyone is, has been giving a lot of exposure to is just how weird it's going to be seeing Ori against yeah. France. Oh, um, God. Yeah, which is going to be a little bit heart- heartbreaking in some ways. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, that whole um, Puel uh, theory, there's a lot to that. Could this be another game where both sides are just basically like, no, oh, you have the ball, we want to counterattack. No, you have the ball, we want to counterattack. Um, so I thought the uh, the Uruguay match would be a little bit like that. So I was quite pleased to see hmm. that France don't need to do that necessarily. Yeah, actually put their foot on the ball and go, right, okay, and go with it. Yeah, um, Connor, any any final thoughts from you? Ooh, final thoughts? I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I know they've they've both played very well, the young fullbacks of France, but I think Hazard is a bit of a different, uh, you know different <laughs> problem to what they've had so far. So I think that'll be, that'll certainly be one to watch, see if they can keep up their great form against uh, one of Europe's great players. Yeah. He's, he's Pavar's boyhood idol as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Right. So we are all set for a semi-final against Belgium. Uh, an attempt to get to the final to face either Croatia or England. And We'll be back later in the week to round up what happens and look forward to the final weekend, whichever match France are playing in. So thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please uh, send them in via Twitter or in the comments under the article, and we will speak to you after the semifinals have panned out. Thanks very much.